This is Focal Point for Thursday, the 20th of August, 2009. We love Google. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira, for this week's edition. How are you doing, Gihan? I'm happy, Chris. I'm very well. I've got a bit of a cough, so uh, I'm going to apologise in advance for any spluttering that might get recorded as part of the podcast. Hopefully we can edit those bits out. Yes, that's right. It's amazing what you can do with the audio editing. So uh, when we started thinking about this week's uh, podcast, we were going to talk about all the products and services offered by Google. But uh, when we came to compiling that list, it turned out to be so long that we realised it would take an entire podcast just to name them. Uh, But if... Our listeners are interested in the blog notes accompanying this episode of the podcast. We'll include a couple of links to those lists so you can go through them yourselves. Uh, but what we've in- decided to do instead today is just focus on our top 10 favorite Google products and services, those that we use most often or uh, that we that we love the most. We've split them up between ourselves so that we're going to take five each and we'll do a bit of a countdown. Yeah. All righty. Well, do you want to lead with your first, your uh, least favourite? Not your least favourite, but your your tenth favourite. Sure. Okay. So number number five on my list of of five. So is YouTube. So uh, YouTube is something that's been around for a while. It was around even before Google bought it, but now, of course, it's owned by Google. Google had their own version of YouTube called Google Video, which uh, which is still there, but they've closed it for new submissions, so you can't upload videos to Google Video anymore because it's all on YouTube now. For a, for a while, I used to use it just for fun, just for personal use, um, just for entertainment, really, and a lot of people, I would say most people, use it that way. But now, more and more people are putting business information, professional information, a little bit more serious information on YouTube, and I noticed that YouTube now um, makes it easier easier for people to participate that way. They make it easier for you to embed YouTube videos into your blog with certain parameters, so they allow you to choose different sizes, um, choose different borders. So they're, they're really encouraging people to use YouTube more and more for, for everything, not just for people's silly home videos. And they're also starting to uh, supply or feed video in high definition and high quality formats, which uh, is improving the, the quality of the service as well. That's right. And actually, another thing I noticed is now, well, actually, this has been around for a while. You can set up your own YouTube channel, which is like a, which is your private page on YouTube, where you can send people to that page. And what you put on there, it has your videos. It has videos that you've bookmarked or you've marked as favorites. It has videos that you like. People can comment on your videos. People can rate them. So it's almost like uh, setting up a little social community as well. But you have your private little page on YouTube. And in fact, I've gone to the extent of getting Gihan Pereira.tv as a domain name, and I've automatically just pointed that to my YouTube channel so that I can give away gihanperera.com as my web address, gihanperera.info as my blog, and gihanperera.tv as my YouTube channel. Excellent. Tune in. So what's your number five, Chris? Um, My number five is AdWords and AdSense. Now, You've probably noticed when you conduct a Google search that uh, some advertisements appear at the top of the search results and down the right-hand side of the page. And this is how Google uh, generates its revenue. If you click on one of those adverts, then uh, you're taken to the advertiser's website. And as a reward for Google, they get uh, some revenue from the advertiser uh, as a consequence of you clicking on that um, advert. Uh, But Google have taken it further than just um, putting those adverts on their own pages. They're uh, not only on their search pages, but they're on their maps pages and other Google websites. 
but you can also um, sign up with Google AdSense and then if you have your own website, if you're a web publisher, then you can have Google um, adver advertisement on your own pages. And then what happens is the same arrangement that uh, if someone clicks on one of those adverts, then you're taken to the advertiser's website and then you and Google share the revenue from clicking through on that uh, advertisement. So that's something that I have on a couple of the blogs that I um, have set up. And I'm not going to say it's earning me an independent income or passive income, but um, it's something I have used, and it's, it's quite a cool little uh, way of getting a bit of supplementary income. And both you and I, Chris, have experimented with AdWords and used them for driving traffic to individual product sites that we've been selling online with, with some success. But um, as with anything else that you do with internet marketing, it's one of those things where you actually have to put in the effort. And as soon as you take your eye off the ball, um, the, the results drop off pretty quickly, uh, partly because there's lots of other competition and partly because it's one of those things that you just have to keep fine-tuning and refining. Yeah, and the, the landscape has changed quite a bit. When you and I started using it, um, it was a fairly simple kind of interface, the AdWords interface, but uh, the, the, the pricing and the rules about how keywords uh, result in advertisements being shown uh, have changed over time. But it, so as you say, people have to take it really seriously uh, if they want to, to get something out of it. Um, the other thing that we did use it for as well was uh, as a way of doing some research. So you can quickly find out how much, uh, how many times people are searching for particular keywords through using the AdWords interface and testing, uh, sort of split testing different kinds of advertisement um, copy. Yes, and you're right. And that is actually a very cheap way of doing market research. So, for example, you know, I, I work with a lot of consultants and authors who are publishing books, and they have asked me, well, which, which of these book titles works well? And one of the suggestions I've given them is buy a little bit of Google advertising, and it may only cost you 50 or $100 in total. Uh, buy some Google advertising and just take out ads promoting the book with the three or four different titles that you've got and just see which one gets clicked on most often because that will give you an idea of what the market thinks is the most popular. Yeah, it's very effective. Mm. Okay, would you like to move on to your next one, Gihan? Sure. So my number four is something called Picasa. So Picasa is a free photo sharing site. So Google allows you to upload photos to Picasa and then you can embed them in your blogs or in your website or, or share them with others. I first came across it. It's actually one that's not very well known. I first came across it when I was uh, blogging, which I do quite a lot. And when I embedded pictures into my blog, Google stores them in Picasa. So I don't have to have the pictures on some other website and link to them. I can upload them directly from my PC and Google will store them for me. And then one day I just noticed that Google had this link that says, hey, do you know that your pictures are stored on Picasa? So I had a bit of a look and sure enough, there's this photo uploading um, area, this, this free service that Google provides. Uh, and now whenever I want to put photos on the internet uh, and embed them in blogs or send them in email messages or even sometimes put them on my website, um, I just use Picasa. It's a nice, easy interface for uploading photos. And in fact, it even has a little bit of software that you can download that makes the uploading even quicker. Right. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask you, Gihan, whether you'd actually taken advantage of the, the software that accompanies the website um, and how you found that. Um, I downloaded it once, Chris, and I used it a couple of times. It seemed pretty reasonable, but now nowadays I just go straight to straight to the Picasa homepage and log in and upload there. It's pretty easy to use, and uh, I find it very convenient to have have my photos uploaded and and linkable from wherever I want them to be. All right. Well, my next 
Sorry, my next one uh, is a piece of software called Google Earth. I expect a lot of people have used it, and I just think it's really cool. So it's essentially a bit of software you can download from Google, and it's Planet Earth, uh, texture mapped with uh, terrain maps and street maps and also uh, digital elevation, so it has mountain ranges uh, rendered in 3D, and it's just cool. It's it's a, I use it just as a, a bit of a relaxing game, just zooming around, typing in destinations and having a look at these places. It's really impressive um, in terms of a piece of software uh, and also in terms of just being good fun to muck around with. I think uh, I agree with you, Chris. I think it is it's a pretty cool tool. I just wonder whether lots of people have used it because it's one of those things that you have to download as opposed to just going to the Google site and, and using it. I think a lot of people haven't. So if you haven't heard of it, it's worth downloading. I remember um, about a couple of years ago when I was flying over to Sydney and Melbourne every month, uh, I was trying to explain to my my nephew Riley, who was four at the time, what I was doing and where I was going. And we used Google Earth to show dynamically where where Perth was, where Sydney was, and what a flight from Perth to Sydney and Melbourne would look like. So I think it is a quite a fun and quite educational tool as well. Yeah, it's fabulous. It's completely free, and as you say, it's animated, so you get this this feeling of flying over the terrain that uh, that's being rendered in 3D. And um, it's also very good at searching for locations, so you can type in Perth and it might uh, automatically realise that you're in Australia and take you to Perth. Or it, uh, if you're, you're giving it a more specific or obscure address, then it gives you a, a series of possibilities and then you can click on those and it'll fly you to those destinations. And then there are various layers that you can apply to uh, the rendering of Google Earth. So, for, one, for instance, there's a, a 3D buildings one that you can um, enable and then if there happen to be any 3D models of buildings at the destination you're viewing, then they're rendered as part of the terrain as well. It's really impressive. Um, and then there are various other layers, like there's one for oceans, so there's some oceanographic information. There's the constellations, so you can actually uh, not look at Earth, but look up at the sky and see constellations rendered there, there as well. Um, it's just great fun, and I'd encourage anyone who hasn't given it a go to do so. Yeah, great. Okay, so my next one is the most important page on the Internet. Which is? So the page that you see when you open your web browser. So the, the default page that your web browser starts with is pretty much for everybody the most mm-hmm. important page on the internet. Now that'll, that'll vary for different people, but Google has a fabulous tool called iGoogle where it allows you to set up your own, your own starting page on the, um, when you open up your browser. Now this is not a new concept. I remember about 10 years ago, Chris, there was a lot of talk about getting eyeballs to that first page and so there were, there were tools like I think Lycos had a homepage, Yahoo had a homepage, and I even set one up myself called uh, Good Day Down Under, where you could set up a page with your favorite newspapers and cartoons and weather reports and so on. So this has been going on for a while. Um, Google does it really well, and it has this thing called iGoogle, which is, again, a free service from Google where you can customize your homepage. And this is not a homepage that anyone else sees. It is your, your page that you see when you open up your web browser. So, for example, on mine, I've got news headlines as, as one, of the, one of the areas on my, on my iGoogle page. Um, what else do I have? I have some of the blog posts that I've been reading and I want to comment on. Um, I have some quotations famous quotations that come up randomly. There's a, there's a puzzle of the day. There are some 
um, most popular news stories. It's nice to know what the buzz is on the internet and a few other things like that. And this is just what comes up automatically when I start up my web browser. Excellent. And there's lots of other gadgets, that, like a gallery of third-party gadgets that you can embed in your iGoogle page, aren't there? Yeah, that's right. For for example, I've got the Perth weather gadget. Uh, there's a weather gadget where you just type in a, a city around the world and it shows you the weather. When I was in Prague, I had Prague weather in there as well. And um, you're right, there's, there's a whole bunch of gadgets. And as you say, they're third party, which means that anyone can write them. In fact, Google gives you pretty clear instructions on how to write your own gadget if you want to. Mm -hmm. So if you're some sort of expert in some field and you want to provide something like a tip of the day um, with your tips rather than uh, getting them from somewhere else, you can you can create your own Google gadget and make it available for, for people to embed into their startup page. Excellent. And how long have you been using that? Fairly recently. So it's only been the last couple of years. I previously was just set up a simple HTML web page of my own that I used to just read. Um, it's just sitting on my PC, and I, that used to be what opened up. And it was just a page of links. But I found that iGoogle is better because it's dynamic. It shows me the news headlines. It shows me the weather, not just a link to the weather report and not just links to the to the various newspapers. Very good. Okay. Well, my next one was Google Docs. In fact, I'm using it as we speak, quite literally. And so am I. <laughs> Coincidentally, that's a. Um, it, it was originally a another application that was acquired by Google called Writely, and it was a word processing tool embedded in your browser. So it's been since acquired by Google and named Google Docs, and it's just like the Microsoft Office suite, but rather than having to purchase or download the software, it's simply a website to which you go and sign in, and then from there, within your browser, you can create a new document using their word processor or a like a PowerPoint presentation or spreadsheets or other kinds of forms. And the great thing about it is that you can share those documents with other users. So as I was saying, we were, I'm using it right now, and that's because uh, you and I share a document that in, contains all the notes about the podcast that we're going to be doing. So it's uh, very clever. It uses uh, what's called Ajax and JavaScript to make it as much like uh, an actual desktop application just operating within a browser window. Yeah, so it's certainly not as powerful as something as like, like Microsoft Word, but it does a pretty good job. And as you say, the sharing facility, Chris, is, is very valuable. Uh, I tend to use this now, for, particularly for bigger client projects, where we have to write out requirement specifications or database definitions or um, here, is, here are what the here are the things that we agree on in before we sign a contract. Um, I I just create a new Google document, and then I and the client and anybody else on either team can then go in and edit and annotate and mark up those documents rather than having a, a say, a Word document that you email back and forth. It just means that everyone can share it, everyone can see the latest version. There is only one master copy, and then when we're finished and when we're ready, we can say, okay, that's the one that we're going to sign off on. It's very valuable as a collaborative work tool. Yeah, that collaboration is the key, um, and it's one of these benefits that uh, arises from cloud computing. We did a podcast on cloud computing a few episodes ago, and again, all the benefits attendant to cloud computing uh, come to the fore with Google Docs. So you have this document, it's out on the internet, you don't have a, multiple copies floating around on people's hard disks and so forth, there's a single master copy on the internet, and everyone can access, access it from anywhere in the world as long as they've got access to the internet and uh, signed up with Google.
Yeah, and if you're, when you want to save your file, you can save it and that master copy stays on the internet in, in the cloud. But equally, you can download it in PDF format or in Word format if we're talking about um, the the word processing version, you can download an HTML format. And I've done that as well sometimes. So when we get to a point where I want to pass it on for approval, I'll save it as a PDF file and then send it as an email attachment. Um, and that becomes a version that, that seems to be like, like stamped because it's complete. And that's the one that the client approves. So it's yeah. pretty good. It's a, it's a pretty powerful little tool. Yeah. All right, moving right along. Getting to the sharp end now. Yes, so I've got two of I've got two of my favorite Google tools left, and it's really a bit of a toss-up as to which one I would put as number two and which one's number one. So let me say the the one that I would put as my second favorite Google tool is Blogger. Uh, Blogger is Google's free service for creating your own blog. Again, it's not something that Google created, but it's a, it's a company that Google acquired some years ago now, and it allows you to create a blog literally within five or ten minutes. So anybody who's not blogging at the moment, there's no excuse if you want to start blogging and you want to sh- start sharing your thoughts with the world assuming that they're worthwhile thoughts to share, then you just go to blogger.com and you sign up and you can have a blog up and running in five or ten minutes. Yeah, it's very easy to sign up and very easy to use once you're underway. And it's also it's it's a pretty powerful blogging tool. Now, the professional bloggers and the experts who do this for for a living will tell you that they, you shouldn't be using Blogger. You should be using WordPress. Uh, but WordPress is by far the most powerful blogging software available, and has a whole bunch of little additional plugins available as well. And however. To set up WordPress properly, you actually have it, you have to have it installed on some web server somewhere. So it's not one of these, uh, set it up in five minutes things. Now there are some web hosts that will promise to do that for you. So you just press one button, it installs a WordPress blog, but you still have to go and find that host and configure it and so on. Whereas with Blogger, literally you just go to blogger.com, sign up, and you could have your blog up and running in five minutes. So that's the reason that I recommend Blogger to all my clients who are just starting out in blogs, because it allows them to start expressing themselves without worrying too much about the technology. If they later on migrate to a WordPress blog, they can just suck out all the blog entries automatically and import them into a WordPress blog later. So it's a great way to get started, and you're not limiting yourself in any way by doing that. And it's it's good enough, isn't it? I mean, it might not be as powerful as WordPress, uh, WordPress but it has enough features to do 90% of what most uh, everyday bloggers are going to be doing. Yeah, look, I think it has enough to do 100% of what everyday bloggers are going to be doing. Uh, I think the if you if you want to be a professional blogger and or you want to you really care about using your blog to get traffic to your website and you want to add these really powerful analytic tools in there, then yeah, you might choose to go to WordPress. But even with Blogger, you can still do things like Google Analytics and uh, other really powerful features in, in Blogger itself. Okay. So my next favorite is the Google Toolbar. So that's a piece of software that embeds in your web browser and provides you with shortcuts and buttons to Google's various services. So uh, one of the simple, one of the most useful features that it includes is a little text entry area into which you type a search phrase and hit enter and away you go. It uh, takes you to the Google search page and conducts that search for you. Um, and in addition, in addition to that, it uses the Google Suggest mechanism such that if you're typing in a particular search query, it uh, auto-completes that with various suggestions of similar queries that other users have conducted. Um, and as well as that, it has various things like if you've conducted a search, then it will highlight 
those terms on a search results web page. It can take you to the various uh, specific web search tools that Google offers, so Google News and Google Images and Google Shopping and Google Maps and so forth. It also has a nifty little feature whereby it'll tell you the page rank of a particular page, which is the mechanism that Google uses to rank search results when it presents them to you. So it's got all these nifty little features that mean that you just have to press a button on the web browser in order to conduct a particular kind of search rather than visiting the, the particular Google property and then doing what it was that you wanted to do. And it sounds like fairly trivial things that it's doing, Chris, like just have a one, one click button to go to Google Maps or Google Images. And yet, that is something that if you're going to be doing it a number of times a day, it does become quite convenient to have that, that little button just sitting somewhere on your browser, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. As you say, they are pretty trivial, just a collection of buttons, but uh, the convenience that they offer make it so much more powerful and useful, and you can understand Google wanting to offer offer that so that uh, it makes uh, their services more powerful. Uh, yeah, and I use a Google toolbar as well, Chris. And uh, I, it, you know, the thing with toolbars is that you can have you can have half your browser filled up with useful toolbars uh, without enough without any space for your web pages to appear. But the nice thing about the Google toolbar is, it's actually if you drag it in in Firefox, which is the web browser that I can use, you can drag it up to the top, and it just it shrinks itself so it only shows the the search box and then has a little drop down menu for all the other options which is what I've done so so that it doesn't take up too much space on my screen it just sits unobtrusively at the top right of the browser window yeah and as as you pointed out you and I both use Firefox but it's also available for other browsers certainly for Internet Explorer and maybe even for Opera if you're one of the few people using Opera yes correct Correct. Okay, so now we're up to our number one. Um, I think I should. I think it's my turn, isn't it? So I'll go first. This is pretty much equal with Blogger. Um, so where Blogger is for publishing blogs, the the next one I'm going to talk about is for reading blogs, and it's Google Reader. A Google Reader again is a free service from Google. It's on the Google website, so you access it through your web browser as opposed to downloading some other software for reading blogs. So. For people who aren't familiar with this, uh, blogs are a class of what's called RSS feeds. And you, you'll see this popping up more and more on websites and in podcasts now, where you can just say subscribe to this feed. And what that means is it's like an email newsletter, except it's not delivered to you by email. It's delivered by this thing called RSS, a way you subscribe to something. And whenever something new appears in that feed, so it's like whenever a new email message appears in an email newsletter, you receive it in your inbox. Well, in this way, you receive the new messages in your uh, RSS reader. And the one that I use is Google Reader, which, as I said, is built into the web browser. So Google allows you to um, set up your private page where you say which blogs are you interested in. You can search for blogs uh, by any topic and it'll find them for you and you can say, yep, I'm interested in that one. And then every day you have a look at what's new and they're highlighted in bold and you can just read all the new messages in all the blogs that you follow. Um, so I don't know whether you use that for your RSS feeds, Chris, or something else, but I find it very convenient because it's just built into Google. Right. I actually use my Thunderbird email client, which has a little section or folder that uh, allows you to sub subscribe to web feeds. So I don't use Reader. I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you also whether anything that is a web feed, regardless of whether it's associated with a blog or maybe a Twitter feed or something else, like an eBay search, also can be expressed as a web feed. As long as it's a web feed, it can be put into Reader, can it, Kihan? Yeah? 
Yeah, that's correct. And you mentioned Twitter searches and, and Twitter feeds. Um, so I use Twitter, but n- not heavily. So I, I kind of I like I like Twitter, but I'm not in love with it. So I don't use it all the time. And one of the things with Twitter is that you only get to see what's what's been happening recently on Twitter. If you said something yesterday, Chris, and I didn't log on until today, I probably wouldn't have seen your message. Mm-hmm. It would have been swamped by all the others that would have come in in the meantime. However, there's some people that I like to see everything they say on Twitter. Um, and with Google Reader, I've set up individual feeds for those Twitter accounts so that I can see everything that comes through from them, regardless of when they sent it. Okay, great. Okay, so my number one, and people people can probably guess because it hasn't been mentioned so far, and that's Google Search. It's uh, their 600-pound gorilla, their, their jewel in their crown, and, yeah, I use it for all of my search. We had a podcast episode a few uh, episodes ago on a couple of new web search engines, Wolfram's Alpha and, Google's, and, and Microsoft's Bing, and uh, I had a good look at those, and they were pretty good, but they didn't offer as compelling a search experience as Google offers for me to make the switch. Um, I'm still using Google Search and happy to do so. And as well as just standard web search, there are so many varieties of search, that uh, fine-tuned varieties of search that Google offers yeah. that uh, are very useful. So people are probably familiar with their news search, their images search, their video search, their, and some less obscure, some more obscure ones such as Google Scholar, which focuses on uh, scholarly articles and academic um, results. There's also Google Books, which is a whole lot of books that have been scanned and made searchable by Google. So it's just this wide range of search facilities that uh, are made available through Google that um, I think I'll be sticking with that for a long time, and, and it's one of the, the greatest web tools that I, I think I use each day. Yes, and I agree, and I think we both would say that Google Search was our number one Google tool, our favorite one, and um, i just let you talk about it, Chris, because I'm a generous sort of person. That's right. <laughs> that would have been my number one as well, and it is. Like, it's, it's funny that you know, 10 years ago, Google certainly wasn't the leading search engine. There were a whole bunch of others that were, and yet because it did a really good job of the way that it did search, it's it's now become number one. I think it's a really good example of a uh, an internet service that has succeeded because it was good, not just because it had good marketing behind it, but because it actually was good. That's right. And the page rank algorithm that underpins the way that Google search results are ordered and, and shown to you is pretty much unchanged. They still use page rank. I'm sure it's been tweaked to some degree over the, the, the intervening decade, but it, nonetheless, it stood the test of time and still powers their search engine. Yes, that's right. So as, as we come to the end, I think there's a couple of things that Google's about to release that we should just mention briefly, Chris, and perhaps when they do release them, we'll have a, a longer podcast about them. Um, the, the three that, that come to mind are Google Chrome, Google Wave, and Google Android. Do you want to talk briefly about each of them? Okay, sure. Well, Google Chrome is two products. It's an operating system and it's a new browser. So uh, if you've been uh, to a couple of websites, you might have actually seen uh, links and advertisements for the browser. So you can download that and run it instead of Firefox or Internet Explorer or whatever web browser you're using. And in conjunction with that, they're going to also come out with a new operating system, something to compete with the likes of um, macOS and with Windows. So they really want to try and dominate the desktop now. They're not, just, they're not just interested in the web. They're also starting to become interested in the operating system. Yeah, 
Yep, and Google Wave is a really it's an interesting concept. I saw the the video where they they launch it to developers, and it seems to be an integrated communication system. It combines email, SMS, online forums, chat, um, sharing pictures, all of those into one system, rather than you having to manage all these different types of communication styles um, professionally and personally. Yeah, I think it won't be long before Google Wave is op- is generally open to the public. At the moment, it's only been opened by uh, way of invitation, I think, but uh, soon it's going to be opened up to anybody who's interested in having a go at it. Yep, that's right. That's right. And Google Android is their operating system for, for mobile phones. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone's in love with the iPhone at the moment, and why not? It's, it's a great device, and it's good that uh, Google are going to offer some competition to uh, make sure at least that that space has people continue to innovate. So people like Apple and Samsung and Google and so forth are all competing to come up with uh, uh, sexy devices, whether they be mobile phones or PDAs or communicators. Um, so, again, another exciting innovation from Google. Yep, great. Okay, so um, we've talked about our top ten, Chris, our favorite tools, and I'm sure that there's some, some will be familiar to people who are listening to this, but others won't. So we'll have links to all of them in the show notes for this podcast. Any recommendation you have for people to get started if they're not familiar with some of these? Yeah, well, this, the thing is to go and visit these websites. Now, most of them require you to sign up if you actually want to start using them. So once you sign up with uh, Google, whether it's at Blogger or whether it's uh, uh, at iGoogle, once you've got an account with them, that gives you access to all their other websites as well. So why not uh, pick one of one of the uh, uh, websites that's interested you in our talk today? Go there, sign up, and away you go. Great, thank you, Chris. And we'll keep our we'll keep our eyes and ears out for other fancy and useful Google tools as well. No worries, Gihan. Speak to you soon. Okay, bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.